Vox Quick Hits. Alyssa Wilkinson, you're a film critic and culture reporter at Vox, and you recently wrote about memorials and people who lost loved ones to COVID. As more and more Americans get vaccinated, how are these people thinking about moving forward while also remembering those that passed away? Yeah, there's a big tension between those two things. Part of it is that grief is delayed. So if you lost someone and then you had a socially distant Thanksgiving that didn't really feel like Thanksgiving, then the first Thanksgiving where their seat is empty is still in front of you, which means that we'll be experiencing some of this loss and grief for a much longer period than we might have. The The effects are going to be different. And as much as everyone wants to move on from this and, you know, everyone's been affected whether or not they've lost someone, you know, do you want to move on if you're afraid that people are going to forget your loved one? And one big reason this could happen is that so many people have died that the individuals risk becoming just kind of one in a group. So there's some kind of need to bring the past into the present and preserve it for the future. And I think that's what a lot of people are grappling with. On the other hand, you know, I talked to a woman named Lisa who lost her father who was living in an assisted living facility. She said she's she's tired of death and wants to celebrate life. And that's a refrain that you hear a lot from people who are grieving as well. My dad, uh, in his facility at the assisted living, when he moved in, there was a little small greenhouse at the end of his hallway. And they bought the dirt for him, and he wanted to grow tomatoes. And um, that was really who he was. That's what I'm going to think about. When I go in a grocery store and I look at some beautiful produce, uh, um, you know, whether it's an eggplant or a watermelon, that's going to keep him alive to me. I will think of him every time. How have other memorials struck that balance between moving forward and remembering the past, which might still make them really sad or really angry? The tendency, especially I think for Americans, <laughs> is to try and put it in the past behind us, to not remember the failures that brought us to this place. So we we have a lot of accountability that we need to find in these memorials. There are some examples of that uh, in the country. I think one notable example is in Montgomery, Alabama. Um, a few years ago, the Equal Justice Initiative opened a memorial called the National Memorial for Peace and Justice. Uh, it's on six acres, um, and it draws a line from slavery through lynching and racial terror to, you know, Black people who suffered humiliation during Jim Crow, and all the way to racially-based police violence. We gather this morning to remember. We gather this morning in festive and solemn joy to remember and to make present those ancestors, those foremothers and forefathers who made this place and so many places in our country sacred by the sacrifice of their blood. We gather to remember all those whose names are known, but we also gather to remember those whose names are known only by their God. If you go there, 
Um, the centerpiece are these giant six-foot pillars. Each of them is for a county where a lynching took place, and there are names inscribed on those pillars of people who were lynched um, in those counties. And the idea is that we're going to boldly tell the truth about what happened and make sure that their lives don't slip away because it's episodes that we would prefer to imagine never happened or to forget because that doesn't say something good about us. Mm -hmm. And I think COVID in some ways is the same in that there's a lot of dark truths about us that have been exposed during this time about how we deal with each other, about how we deal with limits on our freedom, preparedness of our government, all these different things we might wish they were in the past. Um, so a memorial will hopefully make it more possible for the future to remember what happened. What types of COVID-19 memorials have you seen emerging so far? So a lot of what we've seen has been made by artists and arts organizations. There's an artist, Divya Mera, who had a show in LA uh, where it was just it was two giant emojis, um, huge inflatable emojis of a wave and an urn, and it, it's a tsunami <laughs> of grief, right? But it's overwhelming, and it also points to kind of the silliness um, in some ways of what we've been forced to process, right? We're doing so much through text messages and Zoom windows, and there's a odd triteness to this time of grief. An example in Washington, D.C., an artist named Robin Bell was projecting photos and messages of mourning onto a building. So, you know, that's huge and hard to miss if you're near the building. And it would sort of cycle through different messages. There's actually a Twitter account that I've been following called Faces of COVID. And uh, every day they post a bunch of obituaries for people who've passed away from COVID. And if you watch it go through your feed all day, you see the obituary and then you see family members and loved ones reply to it. So it's it's like a living memorial to them. Um, and even just as recently as late February, the National Cathedral in Washington uh, told its bells 500 times, uh, each of which was representing a thousand deaths. Wow. Yeah. And they're all pretty ethereal in their nature, too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What do the people who lost someone to COVID-19 want from a more permanent memorial? So one thing that's come up a lot is that memorials of the future to COVID-19 victims and just to this time um, need to be solid <laughs> and physical. I talked to a guy named Josh whose uncle died. We need something we can negotiate in a physical space as a reminder that there were people here. This is a huge loss. I also talked to a lot of people who cited trees and plants. So I had it pictured in my mind, just a large, huge, it would have to be huge, public garden in memory with all, you know, every kind of plant for each season winding paths for everybody to go, you know, benches to sit on. I'm thinking particularly of the Huntington Gardens in California and also to let public uh, volunteer organizations, if they want to, choose to tend a section of it. And in some odd way, this would represent to me the first line workers because they were tending my daddy and all of those. A lot of this has to do with the feeling of new life, 
um, of enduring life that comes back year after year, that life kind of goes on. There's also a sense with trees that they weather a lot of storms and they have deep roots. Mm. Um, and sometimes they break through concrete and through stones. And so that idea of life emerging from from something hugely difficult um, is a really important part to a lot of people. So, uh, you know, one big significant part of this is simply that this touched every corner of the country. And so finding ways to memorialize them centrally in a public way, but also where they were um, to say, you know, we were here, we didn't disappear. That's a really important part. I think that that loss of time, of relationships, of memories, of holidays we didn't get to have together, all of those things, even if we made the best of it, are things we will be grieving. And in a memorial, we would need space for us to come and be angry and to be sad and to feel grief and to also recognize that we went through this together. We finished it. We came out the other side and there are lessons that we learned that we can hold on to and that we can hold the powerful to account. That was an excerpt of Today Explained. To hear the whole enchilada and others like it, check out Today Explained wherever you check out your podcasts.